Hi, I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet, everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woo! Yeah. Uh, so we have to do the thing. Uh, also, we want to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to tell you that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas we discuss in our podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the U.S. These discussions are for educational purposes only. Everyone's body is different, so the things we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you. But they will give you some information to think about and to research further. We want to remind you that good health is your own personal responsibility. And the final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is always yours. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just a quick note for people new to the pod or just anybody really, um, we wrote a book and um, it seems like people like it. So that's super exciting and gratifying. It is. Yes. (laughs) Thank you everybody who said kind things to us. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. We worked hard to try to make it really um, accessible and understandable and it seems like it worked. So that's really exciting. The book is called Herbal Medicine for Beginners, and it's just 16 bucks on Amazon. So if you've been thinking about putting more structure around your herbal knowledge, then this might be just the thing you're looking for. So check it out. Yeah. Woo. Okay, I'm going to go first this week, because usually you go first. Because I always go first. Because the lady's first. <laughs> Lady bird first. But um, this week I'm going to start. So what I wanted to talk to you guys about has to do with... Um, A few different things, actually. So one aspect of this is going to have to do with choosing the right herb, and the other aspect is with putting herbs together in a formula. So um, when we speak about plants, we usually focus uh, on what we call energetics, and that's whether a plant is heating or cooling in the body, whether it's moistening or drying, and whether it can tonify or tighten or else relax tissues. And that's super important. Uh, That tells us a lot about the herb, and it helps us to know what kind of bodies are going to respond well to it and what kind of problems we can solve with it. But there's another layer to our understanding of plants that is also very important, and this is what we call affinity. So, uh, not infinity, like like (laughs) Thanos wants to collect the affinity stones, but um, yeah, anyway, so an an affinity in this context means an empirically observable effect uh, of the herb centered on a particular organ in the body, or in some cases on a particular type of tissue. So this is easiest to understand with examples. Um, If you know anything about the herb hawthorn, you know that it's good for your heart. And I think we've talked about hawthorn on this podcast before. If not, you know, hawthorn is an herb that's really great right now. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of heavy heart stuff going on. So if you're just like, ah, my heart can't take all this, uh, Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, it's soothing, it's cooling, it's calming, and it conveys those effects, not sort of um, vaguely or or undirectedly throughout the body, but it centers their focus on the heart itself. So it's great for people who have maybe some anxiety, but that manifests with a, a heart that's pounding or hot or agitated, and their blood goes up and, and so on. So... Hawthorne is, is a nerve that has a very strong affinity, um, and in this case, that's you know to the heart. Uh, another example could be milk thistle. Uh, milk thistle is an herb that has a lot of activity in the liver, and 
That's kind of the center of its activity in the body, the center of its uh, of its efforts to help you out, um, to calm down inflammation, and to uh, spur the regeneration of healthy tissue. That's all happening in the liver when you work with milk thistle. So many, many herbs will have this kind of um, organ-focused affinity to them, but some herbs have affinity to a type of tissue instead. So for instance, if we look at marshmallow, uh, marshmallow's seat of effect, or its, its main affinity, is for mucous membranes in the body, uh, whether those are in the sinuses, or in the lungs, or in the digestive tract, or even the urinary tract. All of those different areas of the body will respond when you work with marshmallow, because marshmallow is active on that, that type of tissue, rather than on a specific organ in the body. Um, Another example there would be golden seal. And this is interesting because golden seal has the same affinity, but it has sort of the opposite effect. So whereas marshmallow is going to go to those tissues and loosen them up and moisten them and allow water to flow to them and through them, uh, golden seal is going to tighten them up and dry them out. So here we can see that this is an aspect uh, that's useful to know about the herbs, but on its own, it wouldn't be super handy. And this is a problem that people run into a lot. Like, they say, oh, I need, a, I need a good herb for my heart. And then they go and they get a list, and it's like hawthorn, yeah, but also cayenne. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those herbs are really different in their energetic qualities, right? Hawthorn is cooling. Cayenne is heating with a capital heating. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, or here we have two herbs, marshmallow and golden seal, that have affinity for mucous membranes, but one of them is relaxant and moistening, whereas the other is drying and tonifying. So um, sometimes people who are new to herbalism fall into that problem of maybe they get a note or they hear something about an affinity for an herb, but they haven't considered its energetics, and so they start to make, you know, less than optimal decisions, let's say. (laughs) Um, so, but if we put the two of these things together, if we know where the herb is acting and what kind of activity it's having, that can tell us what that herb is going to do and, um, what kind of problems we can solve with it. So, uh, if we know that, say, linden is an herb that's cooling and moistening and, like Hawthorne, has a lot of affinity for the heart, then we know that that's going to be helpful, um, when there are states of dryness or heat that are affecting your heart or your cardiovascular system. And so in a lot of cases, um, if somebody has a a dry constitution, that's what high blood pressure looks like. It's it's dry, it's hot, it's probably tight as well. And so... um, This this might be like your stockbroker type of cardiovascular problem. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure, so yeah, so then Linden is going to be like totally targeted for that kind kind of situation. Um, Another example could be if I know that an herb is stimulating in nature and that it has uh, an affinity for the liver, then I know that can help me if I have a sluggish liver, if I have cholestasis or I have like the liver's not processing very well through through the the sort of cue of of trash or toxins that you've got to break down in the course of the day. So, you know, this is going to be part of the math that you use to try to sort out what's going to be the, the best herb for this situation. Um, and it's worth saying, too, you know, we, we sometimes will talk about a plant as a whole as having affinity for a particular tissue or, or type uh, organ in the body. But in some cases, this does break down by plant part. So, for instance, with dandelion, the leaves have a very strong affinity for 
the kidneys, and you know they're they're stimulating over there, and they have a diuretic activity. It's very reliable. Whereas the roots of dandelion have more of an affinity for your liver, and that's something we'd use more for sluggish liver or for constipation or other problems we can solve by getting more bile flowing. So uh, we need to be aware that that can that can change, and in certain circumstances with some herbs, you know, even the way you prepare it can sh- shift that around. Um, whether it's hot or cold, and and other factors like that. Okay, so knowing this uh, idea about an herb's affinity and knowing some some detail about it or finding that as you you do your research or start to experiment with a plant, that's helpful because, on the one hand, it helps you choose the most appropriate herb for the individual. Um, And again, let's look at an example there. Say I have somebody and they have some digestive problems and... Like many people in our current culture, it seems like they maybe don't make quite enough stomach acid, and that's probably one of the reasons why they're having trouble digesting their food very well or getting bloated or whatever else. Well, okay, so I want a bitter. Okay, no problem. But digestive issues can vary a lot from person to person. Even if the sort of root cause is the same, the expression can be a bit different. So I could look at a few different bitter herbs that have slightly different affinity, and they might help me choose the right one. So if I have somebody who maybe they have a a weak stomach, they're just, you know, everything they eat, it kind of irritates them, and it sits high up in the chest, and they feel uncomfortable there. Maybe they get some heartburn, or maybe they just sort of feel that discomfort right up there in the chest, right under the ribs. For them, I might choose centauri, because centauri is a really great herb for giving you an iron stomach, you know, <laughs> giving you just that, that capacity to digest lots and lots of things and, and to do so comfortably. So that might be the best choice there. But if somebody else had their digestive problems centered more down in the intestines, then I would instead choose yellow dock, because that's where yellow dock's center of activity really is. You know, it's got some liver activity to it, but it's really getting down into the guts of you. So that would be the better choice there. Or finally, maybe I have somebody who has digestive problems, but it's caused by nervous anxiety, or it shows up as nervous anxiety. Like, they eat, and then they get a little rattled. Maybe there is some discomfort in the belly, but that's not what's most obvious for them. It's more that they start to get anxious, and they start to get, like, physically tense um, on the, in the muscles. Then for them, I might choose blue vervain. Blue vervain is definitely a bitter herb, right? It will absolutely stimulate your digestion and get your stomach acid going and your bile and all of that, but it's... It's so bitter, really, even that, like, it can be, uh, it can, it can be nauseating, even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's classed that way sometimes, amongst the nauseant bitters. Yeah, you have to be a little, little careful with that when we usually formulate it, but, you know, uh, I, I do include that in bitters blends for people who have that that nervous agitation kind of thing that comes with their digestive discomfort. So, um, so yeah, so herbs that have, from one approach, very similar act- activity, quality, and everything else, but we can see that they, they have a, a seat of action or an affinity that's different each to each. Another useful thing that you can um, work with or you can do once you understand this concept of affinity and how it works with the, the herbs that you're, you're playing with Um, This helps you to formulate more effectively, and this is true in a lot of ways, but let's just focus on one today, which is um, working with an herb that has strong affinity for a particular organ in the body, um, choosing that to draw other herbs or the actions of other herbs along with it. So 
One example here could be, I might work with the herb cramp bark. And cramp bark is a pretty general, pretty systemic, uh, smooth muscle relaxant. So smooth muscle is the type of muscle tissue that's not usually under your direct control. Um, it does things like determine how open or uh, clamped down your arteries should be. Um, and there's smooth muscle around the, uh, the digestive tract to help to kind of squeeze and move things along. Um, and a couple other places in your body you have this type of tissue. And cramp arc is, is got a strong affinity for that. So if you just take it on its own, it's going to exert effects kind of throughout your body and, um, uh, and have a variety of benefits. But you can target it a little bit if you want to. So say I was really looking for that relaxant effect to get into my cardiovascular system. Well, there I might pair my cramp bark together with hawthorn so that it's got more of that target for the heart and for the blood vessels. Um, and it will um, just kind of zero it in a little bit and get it a little more precise. Or instead, maybe I combine it with ginger. And there we're trying to keep more of that action focused on the GI tract because that's where, that's where ginger hangs out mostly. Um, or finally, maybe I might combine cramp bark together with mugwort because uh, mugwort's going to center its activity down in the pelvic organs. So if you've got a uterus, then uh, you might be aware of mugwort as an emenagogue herb and it, it moves down into there, it stimulates activity. But you could carry the cramp bark along with it to get an extra relaxant quality if, say, your experience of the menstrual cycle is that you get lots of like tension and cramping and that, and that leads to discomfort. So um, that idea of the, the herb with strong affinity for a particular organ or tissue um, formulating in such a way that that's going to carry your other herb or other herbs along where you want that to go, um, that's a very useful trick or, or technique when you're trying to put a good formula together. So one last comment I would make here is that don't let this idea of the affinity blind you. Um, you know, when we write monographs, we'll often include a line about the affinity that a particular herb has, but then in the body of it, we'll note that that herb acts in lots of different places in the system, and it can act in lots of different ways. So, you know, hawthorn, uh, it is a really heart-focused herb, but it's also been used as a digestive aid in some cases because it has a sour flavor to it, and that can get the digestion rolling in people that aren't quite ready for bitter yet. Mm. Um, so, you know, these, these kinds of things, they, they're very useful, but you also have to be careful that you don't get yourself boxed into a corner. Um, so you might, I prefer to say that this herb has a strong cardiovascular affinity than to say this is a cardiovascular herb, right? Because that would sort of elide the fact that, well, what if I just soak my feet in it? What happens then? Or, you know, <laughs> well, uh, and it just, it does have antioxidants in it. Like right. that's going to be true regardless. Yeah. That's true. Even if you don't have a heart. What? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay, cool. So I hope you find that useful. Um, and if you do have any questions, then feel free to drop us a line or a comment, and we will elaborate uh, to your heart's desire. To your heart's desire. Yes, that's right. While drinking coffee. That's the one. Yay. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to give a shout-out to Ali CB, who gave us an iTunes review this week. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um, and I also wanted to give a shout out to Alice, who wrote us a really thoughtful note about herbalism and justice. Um, and all of that is actually stuff I really wanted to talk about today. I'm, I'm 
It's been a crazy week, and I'm feeling really justice-focused. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if you can't take any more justice-focused thoughts, then um, stop now. But, uh, but I think that overall this is pretty positive and optimistic. So, so here we go. Get yourself some Hawthorne. Um, no, I'm not going to rant. I just, I just, it's been a heavy week. It's been a heavy week. So, um, my first thought is, in light of all that, you know, like, why would anybody learn to bother to learn herbalism? And that can be a question really anytime, but especially, I feel like the answer is the answer to the stuff that's been going on this week and every week and whatever. Um... I mean, obviously, herbalism is fun, and it's good to be healthy, and it's good to take care of your body, and I feel better when I do all the things, like drink my tea and eat well and whatever, and all those are really, really good reasons. But there's a lot more to being human than that. And they've actually studied, you know, many wise people, and also even religions have said this for years, but they have they've done studies on it. And it turns out that humans are happier when they're giving than receiving. Or in other words, humans are happier when they're living in service. And I mean in just service, not in servitude, obviously. Um, and we're not happier when we're totally burnt out and, we have, and we're doing nothing but service. But as humans, we need to have something to live for that's real. And it's kind of like... You know, video games really just isn't enough to hang your heart on. You know, <laughs> or like movies or whatever is your favorite relaxing thing. Like, humans need to... We need to care for each other in order to feel um, fulfilled ourselves. And so that's, that's kind of what I mean when I say that learning herbalism is... Like, the reason to learn herbalism is exactly what's been going on lately. There is so much pain happening, and, like, every client that I've seen is like, boy, I don't know why I'm so depressed, or I don't know why, you know, this is happening. And, and then I sort of am like, do you watch the news? I like that, that, and they're like, oh, it's so terrible, it's so depressing. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> you know. So, and it's true, like, in specific regard to herbalism, people don't know if they might be about to lose their health coverage. And by the way, not even, not everyone even has health coverage. For the people who do have it, a lot of what is out there is crappy. And even the health coverage that's really good could disappear in the blink of a hurricane. We've seen that time and time again, or a tornado or a wildfire or whatever. And in all kinds of different situations, people don't know if they might be discriminated against when they seek the services that they need, or these days, even deported. So with all this uncertainty and division and heart pain and and all this other stuff, there's really only so much that anyone can reasonably take. And that's why we learn herbalism. It's to be of service. You know, I mean, it is also to make fancy sparkling summer drinks and and I love like that is 100% a part of it and it's not just to be like you know burning yourself out in service to others but yeah that doesn't work no it doesn't work (laughs) and also you can be of service to others by making a sparkling elderflower drink for them you know like that's but 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 it is it is to be of service it's 
a skill that we can use to ease the suffering and the anxiety and the uncertainty of others, whether that's others in the community who don't have access to the care that they need or others in, an, in a community that's been affected by disaster, um, where maybe there, there previously were services, but they, they've been made unavailable because of this disaster. This ability to be in service, that is the real call, the real calling for why we're bothering to learn this stuff. And, and then, of course, that's service to ourselves as well, because having a task that we can devote our attention to and something that will be useful to those around us is grounding. So lots of people have lots of kinds of skills. Maybe you can build a house or maybe you can grow food or whatever your talents are. Maybe you're a lawyer for social justice, I don't know, anything. Focusing your talents on taking direct action in your community is like an antidote to the depressing news that we keep hearing every day right now. And maybe you listen to the news and you're thinking, God, I should do something, but you don't, you don't know yeah. exactly what. The most frustrated people that I've run into over the last year plus have been those who consume a lot of news but don't have a, a directed, like, specific outlet to try to make change. You know, they'll click the petitions, they'll do this and that, but... They'll donate money, they'll... You yeah, know. But, but I find that people who have like just chosen one area and said, this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to phone bank for swing left, or I'm going to, you know, sign up with the ACLU or whatever it is, whatever where it's, where it's like a little more targeted, a little more specific. That brings a lot more peace of mind than sort of worrying and consuming information and sort of like, I don't know, today I'll send some over there and some over there tomorrow. And I'm not really focused like that. That doesn't feel as fulfilling. Um, and realistically, it's not as effective. You know, yeah. if we had uh, people that were more focused on like one particular thing and, and just that was what they do and that's how they make change in the world, that would be a lot better than a lot of other, a lot of, a lot of us kind of running around sort of like, ah, I don't know, everything's on fire. I'm not sure where to turn next. Yeah. Um, so it, in some, like if, you, if there's not something that reaches out and grabs you, pick anything and pick one group that you know is doing good in the world and, and say, I'm going to work with you for a while. Yeah. yeah, you can move on later, but that's the way. I it, to me, herbalism answers so many problems in our world today. It's you know we can provide services for people who are underserved. We can provide services for people who are discriminated against. We can provide services for people who who can't get physically get to services, like your elderly neighbor or whatever. They it's not easy for them to leave the house and go. Um, but also, so like we can we can work in terms of social justice in that way. We can provide services in a disaster, so we can be responsive. But also, when we are herbalists, we're not just in service to humans. We are also in service to the plants and to the earth, which means that we're working on climate change. Where we do, you know, like yeah. every aspect of this. And being in that kind of service, service to something greater than ourselves, not just our community, but like even bigger than that, than ourselves, that feeds us. So the more that we learn about plants, the deeper that we reconnect with and, and I mean like really reclaim our place in the macro organism that the earth is, 
You can think of it like we are cells in a body. Maybe I'm a stomach cell in the larger body of this planet, or a nerve cell, and maybe you're a lung cell. And all of us, and the animals, and the plants, and the water, and the soil, and the stone, and the things we don't even know yet, we're all part of one body. And and to be honest, I would never have talked this way when I first started my journey as an herbalist. It was very, like rational and I mean this is still I'm still rational and this is rational actually I just didn't realize it at the time but it's just so obvious now that I've been seeping slowly back into my place in the body of the earth that of course we're just all part of one body and I, I may have mentioned this before I don't know but I'm anaphylactically allergic to marijuana And I've never done any drugs at all. But I was talking like this in class one day because basically I always do that. And this one guy just suddenly blurted out, how is it possible that you've never been high? (laughs) Which cracked us all up at the time. But I don't know. It just, like the more that you get in connection with the plants and the more that you get in connection with the dirt and the more that you get in connection with other parts of this planet that aren't you and also that aren't human, the more obvious that it becomes and the, and the more really grounded you are, like truly grounded, um, like dirt under your fingernails kind of grounded. So anyway, it, it turns out that service serves us is what I'm trying to say. It's a, it's a feedback loop and I think that's really cool. But these days, Stuff is just coming at us a million miles an hour. And so, you know, whatever. When you're, when you're thinking, I've got to do something, learn herbalism. That's, that's, what, that's what I have to say about that. Um, so the second thing that I wanted to talk about um, was another thing that was really big on my mind this week. And um, it's a quote from a medic that I knew um, who said, I challenge you to think about how you see people and what you think about them, and why you think that. And this has been such an amazing thing for me to meditate on um, just over and over again, because I find like it is, it is a constant lesson. Like it's a teacher that just never doesn't have something for me. It's kind of amazing. So I was in the hot tub last week soaking my, my sore back, and when I arrived at the hot tub place, Um, The friendly people at the front desk said, oh, nobody's back there. You have the whole thing to yourself. (coughs) And I thought, oh, I'm so lucky. And I had this little song going in my head about how lucky I am. And it was like the bears in the bed song. And I was like, I've got the whole tub to myself. And I was very excited about it. (laughs) And when I got back there, there were four people in there. And I was like, but, but, and also I noticed immediately I did not like them. I didn't like anything about them. And it was so amazing because I've never met anyone at the hot tub place that hasn't been awesome. But suddenly I was like, these dumb people, they're in my hot tub. Like, It took me a minute, but I pulled myself together. And anyway, basically, whenever I get into hot water, not like trouble, but actual water that is hot, all I can do is just feel overwhelming gratitude for the heat and the water and... 
that was exactly what I needed in that moment because then I saw these people really differently. And I was really aware that my disappointment in not having what I expected completely changed what I thought about these people who had literally done nothing to me. So I took a moment and then I poured water for everyone to drink and remembered that service is grounding. And, you know, it's the hot tubs and people don't always want to talk. But I smiled and then I was just quiet. And I started thinking about how easily this kind of thing happens, like literally in any moment of any day. Maybe I expect that I have the right of way in my car and then someone doesn't yield it. Or I expect that my husband wants to be interrupted in whatever it is that he's doing to listen to me chatter about something. And then it turns out that, well, maybe he doesn't. And maybe I... <laughs> maybe I, I can't remember that ever happening. <laughs> maybe I expect that my daughter is doing her homework and then maybe she isn't. And so these things happen and then I get mad, which is silly. Um, because like, why should I be mad about any of those things? They're all, okay, well, maybe the part about not doing your homework, but these are all reasonable things, but it's, it's like an expectation thing. And when the expectations aren't what you think, it's like how I see people in that moment, it doesn't have anything to do with them. It's my own expectations of what I think I should get and what I think I deserve. So back in the hot tub. I thought about meditating and, you know, oh, that would be a good thing for me to do right now. And I should think about gratitude and I should think good things for each person. And I was thinking about noticing each person and all the good Buddhist stuff. So I sat there to try to do it. And instead, I thought about plants because uh, I'm an herbalist. (laughs) And that was pretty exciting because I started thinking about plants that can help us to soften when we see people. And I thought about how really far-reaching this problem is. Like, I'm just walking down the street. What do I think of the people who are walking by? Do I feel a threat? Is that appropriate? Like, this is literally an everyday thing. So here are the plants that I was thinking about. They are marshmallow, Solomon seal, seaweed, and motherwort. And I guess it's really not actually quite fair to say that I was thinking about these plants, but to say that as these thoughts were forming, these plants were presenting themselves in my mind, which might sound like semantics, but I think it isn't really. Um, But anyway, so let me talk about each one of those. Marshmallow and also the seaweeds are about softening and feeling less rigid. And um, when, you know, when we can do that, then that's a place where we can let things in. Um, and when we feel really rigid, like things that are rigid, they are not flexible, they break. Um, but if something is softened and has that flexibility, then when things change or when things are not what you expect, then you can kind of go with the flow. And Solomon Seal has that go with the flow action as well. It's really about adapting to changes more gracefully. And, you know, physiologically, we see that in the, in the connective tissue, that it helps keep everything lubricated so that physiologically you're able to adapt to changing terrain or changing environments for your, for your connective tissue and your joints in particular. Um, more easily because those parts of your body are healthier. But 
that happens emotionally as well. And that's pretty great because, again, it, so many times our feelings about other people are so much more about our own expectations and the changing of those expectations and how we're reacting to that change. Nothing to do with the people. And then, um, you know, mother wart we often talk about in terms of setting healthy boundaries. Um, and sometimes when we don't have healthy boundaries, we feel threat when there isn't any threat. So that is a really interesting thing for, for me to think about is that having healthy, appropriate boundaries can make us feel safe in more situations because like, we know what our healthy boundaries are, so we don't have to be hyper aware of, oh, is there a threat around? Um, and so that's a really interesting thought to me. Plus, you know, motherwort is calming to palpitations too. So if you're feeling nervous, motherwort is a great friend there. And all these plants just sort of came to my mind and I was thinking about, like I was just seeing them in my mind and thinking about them and and their actions and the, the ways that they can help us. And, you know, there's a lot of other plants that can help us soften and to develop the habit of being more mindful about how we see people and to seeing people first in compassion and connection than to seeing them as a threat. But these are the ones that were with me in that particular thought space. So these are the ones that I wanted to share. And they all can, you know, you can just work with these plants as tea um, or as tincture and just get them into your life more often. Like, if this is a thing that's resonating with you, then just get these plants into you every single day. It doesn't even really matter how they get in you. Tincture, tea, um, you, a foot bath, it just just get them in you. And, and I, you know, it, it helps. And so, you know, do that and then, and then have that mindful awareness and just be working on it and work to be aware of it. And I think that it's, it's really important, especially now, um, as, as all this talk about borders and walls and immigrants is so everywhere. I think it's really important to recognize that climate change is going to necessitate that people move around. Mm -hmm. And not just climate change, but also unfair and oppressive policies by our government towards certain other countries have also caused a lot of problems. And and that that means that people move. And as people start moving around, it can feel really scary. Um, you know, like the whole, what if there isn't enough for me kind of a feeling. And that's that's human nature. That's fine to have that concern. But, but then, you know, and I really think that's frankly the foundation of what all this comes down to. But, you know, we can say, oh no, what if there isn't enough for me? And then we can think mindfully, well, if there isn't, how do I want to deal with that? And maybe there won't be enough, but I think we'll fare better, even if we don't have enough, if we're working together, than if we're wasting our energy in war and fear. And also we can recognize that humans have, for most of our existence, moved around. That throughout history, whether that's just capital H history or our own personal histories, things tend to go better when we're working together creatively and effectively instead of when we're at odds with each other. So, I don't know. So that's what I'm thinking about lately. So learn to be a good herbalist uh, or learn to do something else also. It doesn't have to be herbalism. 
in service to your community and think about what you think about people and work with plants to help you soften and open towards others and review us on iTunes <laughs> and go get our book <laughs> and the world will be a happier place. I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope that that's encouraging. I hope that it feels like a direction. And even if the direction that you choose isn't like to spend a ton of time studying herbalism, but to do some other thing, um, just that the idea of focusing on a thing, on a skill that you can offer in service, um, I think that's, for me, that's a hopeful message. And even though I am an herbalist and I do this work every day, I still get to thinking like, oh God, what can I do? And, and then I remember, oh, this is what I can do. This is what I do. This is what I can do. And I can just keep opening and keep offering yeah, because, you know, people always need care. They always need help. No matter what comes, there will be injuries to tend, there will be fevers to manage, there will be coughs to soothe, and there will be hearts to mend, and probably all of that happening at the same time when people <laughs> least expect it and are least prepared for it. Um, there's not always going to be doctors and pharmacies to rely on and hospitals. There, we've seen too many times in the past few years, too many disasters where those things were suddenly knocked out of service and where a lot of people just didn't know what to do. Mm. Uh, but if you know about herbs, then you know some things. You know something to do. You know to, how to help people, even in a, in a small way, and that can make a huge difference. Yeah. So that's what. That's what. That's why we think it's the way to go. Yeah. And you must, too, because you're here listening to our podcast, so you're already <laughs> trying to learn more about this and, and yeah. trying to hone your skills. So good on you. <laughs> yeah, now go drink some sparkling elderflower with Hawthorne. Take care of your heart. Yeah. Share it with others. Yeah. That'll be good. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>